Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Thursday, May 5th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking soccer today, the Kansas City Current and Sporting KC, with the Star's beat writer, Daniel Sperry. About a month and a half into its second season of existence, the Current played its first elimination game in the semifinals of the Challenge Cup Wednesday in the rain at Children's Mercy. It didn't go the current's way, but the loss allowed the team to gain some experience in such situations. We'll hear what midfielder Desiree Scott had to say about that. After a break, we switch teams and talk about the slow start to the season for Sporting Kansas City, but Peter Vermees' club picked up a draw in its last outing, and perhaps that can get SKC headed in the right direction. Finally, we discuss the significance of the Seattle Sounders' victory on Wednesday night in the CONCACAF Champions League final, a first for an MLS team. Okay, let's get started. We're talking with Daniel Sperry, who covers the KC Current and Sporting Kansas City for the Kansas City Star. It's your first year doing this, Daniel. How how, how do you find the gig so far? Uh, I'm enjoying it. You know, I've I've covered Sporting Kansas City actually for various websites, including uh, you know the league website since uh, 26, 2016. Yeah, uh, about halfway through the twenty sixteen season, and so. Um, to, to kind of really get to jump into the KC current now as part of uh, the gig and the role here. Uh, I, I am, I'm enjoying it, man. It's uh, too interesting. Uh, a, a community that I'm very um, attuned to already with uh, sporting Kansas city and kind of learning um, as I go with the NWSL, just more so about their community and about that team and kind of the women's game as a whole, a little bit deeper beyond maybe, you know, just the U S women's national team, uh, you know, names that, or relatively household names at this point. So it's been, it's been fun um, and really cool to see the current uh, kind of really start to establish themselves as a, as a true professional team uh, here in Kansas city. Absolutely. We're going to talk about the current and their, um, their, their road through the challenge cup, which ended on uh, Wednesday night with a loss to uh, the Carol to Carolina. But uh you're right. It, um, second year of the of the franchise, first year with a name, uh, and it's a you know they really put it together quickly last last season, and um, and, and you know with Hugh Williams as the coach, and had had their struggles on on the pitch. Not so this year. Uh, just getting into the you know get, winning their brackets in in the Challenge Cup and, and getting into the semifinal. Uh, more victories now this year, just in the cal- in the Challenge Cup tournament, than uh, than what they had all of last year. So that's uh, what a salute to that organization. Hey, so you're out there on Wednesday night mm-hmm. uh, against Carolina. First of all, let's talk about the conditions. Anybody who yeah. was in Kansas City on Wednesday knows we got a ton of rain and did it rain throughout the game? Yeah, it pretty much rained uh, up until about the 70th minute and it rained really hard for about the entire first half. Um, I, it's been a long time since I've seen that heavy of just a downpour, uh, in a soccer game for that long of a time. I think, you know, sporting had a game earlier this year that was, uh, rained out and I've seen, I've had a rate. I, I wouldn't say 
rained out, but had a, a you know a lightning break and a, a severe thunderstorm break that they had to take. Um, had those in the past too with Sporting. I was talking with uh, Vahe actually last night. I remember what Sporting had like a two-hour delay one time after uh, playing Vancouver in a in a Champions League match, and uh, that you know th- those are often uh, difficult. And we kept on you know pulling up radars. That, all right, is there any lightning at all? Are we in any any danger of one of those delays? But soccer, unlike, you know, baseball and much more like the NFL, they're going to just play through um, that rain. And so I think the field itself actually held really well. And credit to the grounds crew um, who takes care of the field at Children's Mercy Park. That's getting a lot of wear and tear um, early on this year, more so than it has in a really long time. And uh, I think they've, you know, that that field really held that water well, the, didn't really kind of sometimes in games where it gets really heavy rain like that, you see um, the ball checking up into kind of deeper pockets of water in certain places on the pitch that it just holds it. Uh, and it didn't. And so thankfully it might've kind of made for kind of a drearier atmosphere maybe. And you know, you're, you're, you yourself physically when you're playing in that, uh, you're just soaked uh, to the bone. But I think the, it didn't have much of an effect on the overall gameplay is how I felt. And I think that that's a kind of a credit to the, the, the crew, the, the field crew um, at children's mercy park. Um, but yeah, what it just an absolute deluge for about the first 60, 65 minutes of that game. Right. Right. Listen, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to assign blame on the, on the slow start uh, from the current uh, for the rain, uh, but it was a slow start and sluggish. Yep. Look, it was as, highest stakes game as this organization has had in its, you know, year and a few months existence. So um, did, did, uh, can, can we, I don't know, suggest that that might've had a factor, the, the, the high stakes of this and, you know, not coming out uh, on, on fire as, uh, as we might've hoped. Yeah. Uh, captain uh, of the squad, Desiree Scott kind of mentioned that, that um, these are games where you really can't, kind of come in the way that they did in that first um, half, uh, you know, and I think even Kirsten Hamilton, both uh, Kirsten Hamilton's a, a decorated uh, champion in NWSL. And she mentioned that too, where, you know, I think it's uh, in games like this, you can, you can't be paralyzed by the moment that you're in. And I think at times this team was, and, you know, it's a very big mix of good, uh, solid veteran players who have experienced high stake matches. And, um, the other half of it is very young players who are still in the very early first two, three years of their careers. Um, and if they've been with Kansas city that whole time, they, uh, that's their first high stakes match in a Utah in their final year of existence, wasn't quite up to snuff either. So I think, um, there, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of learning curve here that that will happen in a game like this. And, you know, it's not the right, you know, you still have the playoffs. We still have the regular season to go. And it could be something that, you know, in a year later this year, or even in a year or two, you're saying, okay, they've, they've learned from that, but yeah, you, you come out like that. Potter called it kind of uncharacteristic mistakes of the team of just not, not everything in sync passes missing um, their mark crispness uh, players kind of not in the right spots or not making the right decisions when they did have the ball. Um, I feel like there was throughout the game too, just watching Potter kind of pace the, the coaching, the technical area, you know, I don't know how many times I saw, you know, pass go someplace that didn't really work or somewhere else. And he's just kind of like, Oh my gosh, like it just seemed, it just seemed at times that they were kind of paralyzed by the moment and they left themselves um, with the mountain to climb in the second half. So maybe they take something from this. I mean, you, you yeah. can't, 
you, you, you can't gain experience without having put yourself in situations like like uh, the current did on on Wednesday. So uh, I, I think that's. Uh, in fact, I did. I listened to the post game press conference and your questions to the players and, and to and to Matt, and that seemed to be a theme last night. Was let's mm-hmm. let's use this occasion to the you know bank it for experience and you know use it going forward. Now you know when they play another high stakes game like this, we'll we'll, we'll see. But mm-hmm. the regular season is now the objective for the current with the challenge yeah. up in the rearview mirror. Let me ask you this because I, I truly don't know the answer if if. Kansas City had won the game. They were going to the championship game is this weekend, and there was already and, and there's a regular season game scheduled for this weekend as well. Would they've adjusted the schedule for that? Yes, um, uh, kind of de- even depending on results elsewhere too. There was a possibility that they'd be getting on a plane to Seattle. Uh, tomorrow, like this morning, they, they would have probably already been on a plane and headed out there. Um, the Challenge Cup final is scheduled for Saturday at uh, noon local time. Um, so between Washington and North Carolina, I believe it'll be, I can't remember exactly which one of those, I think it'll be in North Carolina. Um, so, you know, you will have, um, thankfully, I, I'll say this nicely, thankfully it wasn't in Seattle because it would have, I mean, that, te- that 12 p.m. Uh, central time kickoff time is locked in so can you imagine trying to kick off uh, a, a competitive final soccer match at 10 a.m uh in seattle that's that that's not a not ideal but um you know i think uh yeah they would have they would have had to schedule reschedule that houston match um that's scheduled for mother's day on sunday and then uh that final would have been on saturday so i think it kind of helps I, I wouldn't say i mean it's not great that they lost but it does alleviate the the scheduling headache that that could have potentially um caused down the road Right. And so the Houston game is Sunday. That is the home opener, the regular season home opener. Yeah, regular season home opener against uh, the Houston Dash, who, um, you know, they've beat twice now uh, in the Challenge Cup. It's a team that they faced a lot early on. So they're pretty familiar with them, and the Dash are undergoing a, a head coaching change. So it'll be uh, a little, it'll be an interesting because it'll be a very different Dash team um, than what we've seen, at least led by a very different coach um, and maybe set up a little bit different than what we've already seen from them in the Challenge Cup. Okay, we're going to take a break here. As we go to break, let's play a little bit of uh, Desiree Scott uh, from her post-game press conference on Wednesday night. On the other side, we'll, uh, we'll be back talking Sporting Kansas City. This one hurts for sure. Um, obviously disappointed in the result. I think when you dig a bit of that hole, it's hard to come out of it. Um, but I give full credit to our squad for that do-or-die attitude. I think that's something that has reigned true throughout Challenge Cup, throughout season. We, we keep fighting right till the end, and I can give full credit to the team for that and their efforts. Um, but a little things, a few things didn't stick. North Carolina capitalized on their opportunities. We did, it's not that we didn't create. We battled. We fought hard. I thought there was great spells of possession, but just not, not what we could do on the night. Daniel Sperry, Kansas City Star. Desi, there's a lot of uh, veteran people on this team who have been through games like this before. There's also a lot of younger players who haven't. This is their first taste of that. It's a sour taste, but what do you think that they, what, what can they learn from a game like this um, and hopefully, you know, take that into their next potential games uh, of this magnitude? Yeah, I think, you know, these are high pressure moments. I think these are the games where, you know, every pass, every touch, every tackle counts. Um, But I think it's also, you know, you can take from this game how we can 
you know, build each other up, how we can dig each other out of the, you know, depths when things aren't going our way, when we go down a goal, um, the little 1% things we can change are, you know, in possession, our defensive tactics. I think this is new territory for us all. We're still bidding, building those connections with one another um, and to do it with such, you know, at home pressures on to get to a final. I think, you know, we'll take a lot of learnings from this when we watch it back, but those young players, I think it's just that pressure and how, how you can use that to your advantage and use and live for these moments. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We're back on Sportsbeat KC talking soccer with Daniel Sperry, who covers both uh, Sporting Kansas City and the Kansas City Current for the Kansas City Star. The result for Sporting Kansas City in its last game and the way it happened, probably not to Peter Vermees' liking, but it, it was a draw against Dallas, 2-2. And, um, and it, it, it gets them off the schneid, I guess, to, to put it bluntly. But um, it's a slow start. You, you've been covering soccer Sporting KC for what eight years now, and um, not many teams have uh, have been buried this deep in the hole. Not many sporting teams have gotten off to this kind of start. There have been slow starts, yep. but this one this one is a little head shaking, and uh, not, I'm not going to say surprising given the injuries that I, I do want you to touch on. But you know, yeah. two wins, two draws, six losses, and they're they're pretty low in the in the Western uh, Conference standing. Yeah, right now they're sitting uh, in 11th place, and uh, it's interesting. We're, we're at the 10-game mark, and Peter Vermees likes to say at the 10-game mark, I feel like I know what my team is. And I think that's also a really good point for um, just in general uh, who they are. And I still don't feel like I actually have 10 good games to judge this team by just because of the way those injuries were um, kind of thrown about in the first four or five games. You know, Daniel Shalloway missed multiple games. Kyrie Shelton missed multiple games. Johnny Russell missed a game. Yuri Rosell missed a lot of games in that stretch. And so you've got a, maybe since the Nashville game is the first time where you feel like you actually have like maybe a good beat on what everybody is like together. And so it feel it's a very weird feel to this team. And yeah, sporting has not been buried like this um, for a long time. I remember back to uh, 2019, right? It was one of the only seasons that they haven't made playoffs since in Peter Vermees' tenure. Um, 
and they were in first place in the Western Conference after seven games. I remember writing about them, you know, being able to take on this double-headed task of CONCACAF Champions League and Major League Soccer um, in first place into the semifinals, and it all kind of collapsed from that point. Um, and, you know, they, were, they, they had started off strong, though, as you would have expected out of a sporting team. And this team is just, it's been difficult for them to get out of the gate. Uh, the the attack hasn't been as aggressive as you would have expected from them. I think there's a lot of things in play there, but um, even and I get Alan Polito's out, but even with Kyrie Shelton, um, players like Daniel Shallowy and Johnny Russell just hadn't been as active in the attack really until Saturday night. I thought the match against Dallas was one of the best that I've seen them play um, from top to bottom, uh, from you know minute one to minute ninety, and uh, maybe some signs of life there. Um, it's not entirely uh, historically unprecedented for a team to start slow and make the playoffs, even win MLS Cup. Um, the Seattle Sounders have done it, but the Seattle Sounders have done it uh, while having all designated players healthy. Uh, and Sporting will be without two of them for the entire season, two of the highest paid players uh, and highest um, paid acquisition fees uh, for Sporting Kansas City's club history are not going to touch the field in 2022. And that is going to uh, drastically hamper, I think, what the ceiling is of this team and what the expectations could have been. Uh, but we will we'll see. I, I still believe playoffs is probably a good feel for this team. I think it's very feasible, in my opinion, to make playoffs in Major League Soccer. Uh, there's still enough players on this team that can get into the playoffs. And when you get into the playoffs, anything can happen at MLS. But um, the the challenging for a first place in the Western Conference, the supporter shield expectations that I think have always been there for this team. I think it's just a little bit dampened here with um, the, you know, the slow start and all the injuries combined. Yeah, listen, I, I trust Peter Vermees to get the most out of a team as depleted as it as it might be. I just do. Mm-hmm. He's got the track record. And I, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned Seattle Sounders as an example of a team that's they seem to be the the case study of an MLS team that that starts slow and turns it on at the right time. And I actually want to get to Seattle and the significance of its victory last night. Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss in just a moment. But uh, you mentioned the injuries. I don't know if we discussed the Gotti Kinda one. Uh, that's mm-hmm. again. That's that's you know just somebody you depend on. Mm-hmm. And he's the the reason. Part of the reason for Daniel Shallowy's breaking out last year was the way um, that he and Gadi Kinda combined down that left-handed side. And so, um, the you know you've had to kind of mix and match players in there and try and find someone that can really um, gel with Daniel. We saw Roger do it pretty well um, last night, but or last weekend uh, against Dallas. But, you know, that's also not ideal to be able to run Roger Espinosa out there as much uh, at his age uh, as you would have uh, a Gotti Kinda who's 27 and um, a a ball of energy when he's on the field. And there's something that he brings, um, an unpredictability level, uh, but a really good knowledge and vision for the game that just can't be replaced. Um, and that's why they are a designated player. I mean, they are paid their acquisition the acquisition costs and all of that means that they are a significant player and a player that is, you know, going to most of the time be of, of high quality. So um, he, I, I, I would say that I think maybe fans viewed his return as maybe a light at the end of the tunnel. And I don't think that, um, you know, the, the team did necessarily, but I think they were still hoping that he would get back and he would help, you know, 
provide that spark to the attack. And so now you don't have that. So how do you create that? And Sporting have had to kind of go to um, kind of a committee by committee type thing until um, they try and make an acquisition in the summer transfer window starting around July, the end of June and through July. But it's uh, it, it's a big loss. And I as much, as difficult as Alan Polito's loss is, a lot of people will say Alan Polito is like the perfect striker, the perfect number nine for Peter Vermees' system. And in a lot of ways, Gotti Kinda is the perfect number 10 for Peter Vermees' system because he can kind of play uh, a little bit more defensive. He really understands um, how to press. He understands how to go and make tackles, uh, you know, the way multiple ways that a number 10 can work in pro soccer. A lot of times you'll have um, how they've tried to use Marino Ciones uh, at Times with two defensive midfielders that kind of spread out all the defensive work. And then that number 10, it doesn't really have a lot of defensive responsibility for me. It's likes to have one single defensive midfielder, kind of a box to box roamer. And then this creative number 10, and we've seen like guys like Benny Failhaber, great defensive work ethic, great defensive, um, uh, I guess, ability in their game and way to read the game and know when to go and when to make tackles. Um, and, Kinda had that, and uh, and that's probably the first time since Benny Failhaber um, that you know Sporting really had that in that number ten. At times, Felipe Gutierrez, but he could have played any other place in the midfield. So Gotti fits exactly what they wanted. That has that creative spark, the, in, the unpredictability um, to his game that just really makes it difficult for opponents to 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 handle what Sporting could have thrown at them in the attack, and they could have, you know. Without even without Alan Polito with Scotty Kinda, I think they could have still pushed for a home playoff game and uh, in the West. And I think that 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 miss for Kinda really has a major effect on the way that attack gets built out. And so it'll be about trying to figure out how to replace him because that that was a part that you know going into the season they thought they were going to have, and now they really aren't. And that's going to and I, I think you know we saw a good a good uh, performance against Dallas to get at to show that they could maybe do something without him, but um, that'll, until they can get a replacement in there, that's going to be a, a, a hard miss for sporting Casey. Right. Um, what, what's the, what's the easy explanation for Kyrie Shelton's uh, goose egg so far this year? That's, that's a tough one for, for sporting. I know that with, um, you know, being depleted, they're, they're looking for sources and he just uh, hasn't been able to find the net. Kyrie's game has never really been about goal scoring too, which is what makes it hard when a, a team that's now lost two very big attacking pieces really needs that striker to start to be able to put some into the net. I also don't think his health allowed him to kind of get in a good rhythm at the beginning of the year. And he just hasn't found the game in the ways that he did against Dallas. I thought the game against Dallas was his best game of the year um, so far, which kind of contributed to Daniel Shallowy getting back in there. He was able to play with his back to goal and hold up balls a little bit. He was able to um, combine uh, with Daniel Shallowy and and even Johnny Russell for some one-twos and some creative work. Um, also, Kyrie is a very... Um, interesting guy in the sense that he he really tries to take care of his mental health too um and i don't know if if he's been in the greatest place to start the season i think there might have been a lot of pressure there um but lately i think he's kind of come out of that you could even see in practice at times he just wasn't quite i i would say like 
at the first step uh, on the ball all the time. Um, the last couple of training sessions I've been to, I mean, he's been scoring goals, insane goals left and right. I mean, they're like ones that even in training you go, wow, okay, that's a, that's a really good goal. So it'll be, I, I know sporting fans are like, well, why don't we see that on the field? And it's two very different things and how, you know, you, when you're doing attacking drills, certain things look a certain way. It's meant to get guys into that position. So it's about getting him into the right positions and they, you know, there's some great uh, apps and great, you know, maybe more advanced analytical sides websites that that'll show kind of the passing network. Um, and usually in a sporting system, that striker is at the pinpoint of that passing network. Um, and a lot of times through the first games that he played up until prior to Dallas, he's been really tucked in and almost found in the midfield within the passing network because he's been dropping so deep just to try and get something out of them um, and get them out of the middle third and into the attack. Um, and so I think we saw against Dallas, finally a connection for him up top more so in trying to feed him the ball and play through him up top. Um, and I think the more involved he gets, the better chances he's going to get. And if Daniel Salloway and Johnny Russell are creating a lot of danger, Shelton's going to find himself in some places to score. Um, and I think he'll eventually start putting him in the back of the net. I think he has the quality to do it. He's not going to be, I don't know if he'll ever be a 10 goal scorer. Um, that's just not kind of his game and how he is, but um, if he can meet that in goals plus assists, I think you, you'll see um, a sporting side start to really climb up the table when he, if he's doing that. Well, if Dallas brings out the best in him, he'll have another opportunity soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> we get, uh, the U.S. Open Cup on Tuesday back at Children's Mercy Park. Uh, before then, uh, New York uh, City Football Club on Saturday we know what stadium that is. It'll be, they will be playing in their sixth different home stadium of uh, 2022 already. They will, uh, between CONCACAF Champions League and MLS, this will be um, at City Field, uh, the home of the New York Mets, which as much as I don't like watching games at Yankee Stadium, the sight lines for the way the camera wells are set up when you're watching on TV, like it's a lot better at Yankee Stadium than it is City Field. So I'm kind of disappointed because it's going to be a very difficult uh, watch for anyone trying to put that one in because the, the netting and all kinds of stuff, it just makes a, it, it's a mess. Yeah. What a, what a tough situation uh, yeah. in New York city well, for, for that team. Okay. Let's uh, let's go out on this, Daniel. The, uh, I mentioned earlier, the C, we were talking about the Seattle Sounders picked up a victory last night mm -hmm. in the CONCACAF champions league uh, mm -hmm. final against um, Pumas. Is it? Uh, yeah. Pumas. Yeah. Uh, of, of Mexico. What's, what's the significance of this? This is huge. This is the first time that uh, an MLS team, I, I wouldn't say the, I, there might've been a team that's done this in the past, very like in a long, long time ago. Um, but in this, in this more modern iteration of what the CONCACAF Champions League is, um, this is the first MLS team to ever do it. Um, and there, there's been many MLS teams that have gotten to the final, uh, Real Salt Lake, Montreal, uh, New York, and uh, Toronto, all have been to the final, all have lost. Uh, Toronto happened to win the second leg in Mexico, but because they lost the first leg at home, it had to go to penalties. They went to penalty kicks and lost on penalty kicks after, you know, U.S. soccer legend Michael Bradley launched the ball almost out of the stadium in uh, Guadalajara. Uh, but this is the first time that a team's finally been able to get all the way through it, and that is a big mark. Um, it qualifies them for the club. Uh, World Cup, uh, which will be in late December or January, usually when they do these things. Um, 
and uh, they, it, you know, they will play against whoever wins the UEFA Champions League final between Real Madrid and Liverpool. There will be those who win the South American, the Libertadores, which is their Champions League. Those champions will be there. Um, so the, it's an opportunity for MLS to even show itself on a greater stage. But it's also kind of a, a statement within that says, hey, you know, our league teams are finally better than than the Mexican league teams at this moment. You know, this was the, I wouldn't say that this was the best group of Mexican teams that have been in the tournament, but these were the ones who qualified, which means the other normal strongholds like Tigres and Monterrey, America, that they all would have made, uh, you know, if they're in the tournament, I think it may be even more significant, but regardless, uh, a huge win for the Sounders. Um, four, as I said, four of the last uh, MLS uh, winners or MLS finalists have gone to Mexico and not lost, yet still lost the CONCACAF Champions League. And so it's just this kind of giant, uh, I, I guess you could say the monkey off the back kind of a thing for Major League Soccer. So it's significant in that factor that um, shows the the overall growth of the game and the Sounders, um, you know, as, as many like to say, the Sounders think they invented soccer. Well, the Sounders kind of have now invented winning CONCACAF Champions League for an MLS team, but uh, a big victory for Major League Soccer. Um, I know, I, I think it was interesting. I was talking with a few friends and fans, and I think they said maybe the sentiment a few years ago might have been different. But because of where MLS is now, you know, now it's kind of like, well, it's the Sounders. I wish it, I would rather it had been my team instead of just any MLS team getting through. But uh, props to them, and they they deserve all the credit. They're still below Sporting Kansas City in the MLS uh, standing, so they got some work to do um, in, in the coming weeks. But uh, overall, a big win for MLS and U.S. Soccer last night, uh, getting a CCL title um, in what has been a chaotic, as usual, CONCACAF Champions League. Congratulations to the Seattle Sounders and to MLS for this. Daniel Sperry, great catching up with you. Really enjoyed the conversation, and we will do it again soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks again for having me on, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for producing and to the Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Daniel Sperry for sharing his insights. Morning Sports Edition was 32 pages today. All the local sports covered, plus good stuff on the NBA and Stanley Cup playoffs. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com. That's liveedition, one word, .kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another edition of Sportsbeat KC. Sportsbeat KC.